Tom Bernard Show with Doug Sprinthal, Dave Schrader, Andy Rampernard, Cassie Schrader, and we'll be right back. Kick off hour three, Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Ladies and gentlemen, Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Let's talk tour to cure. We are, what, 10 days away? Mm, yeah, June second, and they we, you, there's still spots available to ride, or if you want to donate, that'd be cool too. We're doing really well raising money. Michael Bryant, I got to tell you, is a one man money raising machine. He's over oh, two, yeah. two oh. grand himself this this uh, this year. So mm-hmm. Mike's on the I'm team. Like we got five, a couple six, listeners. We got some employees. It's going to be really fun. If you want to sign up, go to the Tour de Cure website. Look for Team KQ Walzer. And sign up for the 26-mile ride. Uh, you'll be done by noon, 1 o'clock or so, so it doesn't take up your whole day. It was really fun last year. This would be a, a really cool route this year. A lot of it's through Minneapolis, Theodore Worth Parkway, right by a local no- noted celebrity's house. <laughs> it actually is pretty close. <laughs> That's what I hear. I hear it's right by the house. Yeah. That'll be wonderful. What cure? Tour to cure, diabetes, ADA. Sorry, I should have mentioned that. Thank you. And that's my entire spot. And ladies and gentlemen, the wide awake Doug Sprinthal. I'm you need to get to some sleep, up. man. No, no, it's this hay fever. Oh, it's the hay fever. Yeah. Oh, I suppose, Kick yeah. Kick my butt. Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. But thanks for telling people I look like shit. <laughs> I didn't say that. I just said you were a big baby. Now that's you know why Molina moved. That's <laughs> 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 right, exactly. Well, he hasn't moved yet. He's moving a week from tomorrow. Week from tomorrow, he's headed for New York because he can't move in until June 1st. I thought I was going to hit the post there, but I didn't. Yeah. That, that, that lasts longer than well, you always think. Well, no, there's no question about it. It lasts a lot longer yeah. than we always it's like, think. So it's 12, no, it was 16, no, 20. Uh, it's all true. It is true. Um, in any case, what, is, what are all these stories that Jared Kushner's security clearance has been restored? Why did they take it away in the first place, and then why did they restore it? I don't really understand. I don't understand all these political moves at all, because is there anything that's not filthy? I'm having mm. a hard time following yeah, it. I, what I want to... Yeah. If you've talked to Tim Plenty recently, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So why is he running as an independent, not a Republican? I just think that 
he has an understanding that people are sick to death of Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. And I don't think it's Democrats and Republicans because, you know. It's just the two-party system in general. Yeah. I, I think the far left and the far right have disgusted people to the point they just don't want anything to do with anybody. They just want to be in the middle, centrist. So actually, it's a pretty smart move. I don't know if it's going to work for him. It might. Uh, it Worked might for work Jesse. for Jesse. Yeah, it did work for Jesse, absolutely. That Nobody thought he was going to win. Nobody. Oh, Jared Kushner never had permanent security clearance he never did no well just, how could it be restored yeah then? that it wasn't because he has it now i don't really understand there was a background check took yeah, he a had long to meet, time had to meet with the Mueller team right sure <laughs> he just goes sure that's no, yeah, exactly what happened i don't know any of these names what this all is and it always is and it's either one party going after the other or that party going after the first one or whatever it's wasting American taxpayers' yep. money by the millions of dollars. Yes, it is. So they can put, hey, look at this hand over here. Don't look at the other hand. Look at this one. It's just, you, you scam artists, scumbags. Ugh. And it's, like I said, it's just about everybody in, that's involved in politics. I don't know. I just, I'm not a politician. <laughs> when are you going to run? For a guy that hates politics, you talk a lot about politics. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's... You know, not as much as I used to. I used to talk more about it because I thought there was a chance that maybe we could meet in the middle, but there is no chance of that happening. None. I mean, if you don't agree with me, I hate you. What? What? Uh, what is that all about? Explain that to me. It'll happen when when people finally do get tired of the. Yeah. You know, good. Pe- people made a change by by voting for Trump. Now, if they realize, let's go for the independent parties and start giving them more of a word, mm-hmm. I think that'll be the next evolution. I hope so. It was working well for the Libertarian Party for a while, but well, I mean, their their numbers were going up pretty good. I mean, they were never even close to getting elected into office, but they were actually every year they were getting more of the vote. But then I don't know. Suddenly, (laughs) people just got tired of them. Isn't it civil liberties though issue when you're not allowing other uh, parties into major debates? I would agree with that, yes. But then you're going to end up with 50 people debating, I suppose. they got to cut That's it off right. someone. I know. I'd rather have 50 people up there taking a shot at something so you can weed it out like American Idol. Let's just start, start weeding them out. Start weeding out the crazies and get to who is actually answering the question. Yeah, I just I would like to get back to the point where everyone doesn't hate one another. That's, I mean, I've, that's no. not going to happen. It's just, and it's flat-out hatred, too. It's not uh, disagreement. It's not dislike. These people hate one another. It's sad. I mean, it really is. What, what do you wanna, so you want to spend, you, you got, what, 90 years on Earth, probably. Maybe if you're lucky, you live to be a buck 14. I think the human body, didn't you say, Andy, is it could withstand about 115 years of life? Um, the oldest person ever, I believe, was 122. 122? Uh, yes. 122 and a half. Who was that? That was um, Jean Clement. Oh, Clement, Clem- that's right. Clem- oh, that's Clement. Clem- Jean Clement. That was a woman. Yes. Yeah. She would live to be 122 years old. You notice that it's not big people that live that long. No, no, it is their no. bed. Cassie's got a much better chance of yep. living a long time than anybody else in this room. Well, it's that's interesting true. because uh, the top is 122. And then it drops down to 119, then 117, and then it's a smooth gradient from there. But it's just weird how the oldest person lived to be so much older than second place, even. So the French know how to count. That's a possible. See, this is what I'm wondering. 
I'm wondering. I did. What fascinated me going through all that stuff is is realizing that I met my great grandmother. She lived until I was four years old, and I do remember her because she was exactly a hundred years older than me. She was born in 1851. Nine years before Abraham wow. Lincoln was president of the United States. So she remembered the Civil War. She uh, yeah. She oh, been, absolutely. Preteen. Yeah, she would have been a preteen. She absolutely. But when you look, so human contact to human contact, the fact that I've talked to Fawn now, and then Buck, oh, God, Alex hates that so much because the boy, Catherine, said, what are you going to name him, Buck? <laughs> oh, that didn't go over huge. I will tell you that. Poor Lexi. And poor Alexi. But so I had human contact with a person who was born in 1851. And now I've had contact with Fawn and Buck. So how long are they going to live? Are they going to live to be 110 years old? It's lifespan. Probably. Human lifespan goes up, I think, every five years. It goes up by one year, it's something to, like that. It's so. going to be at least a 300-year span and maybe even longer than that. Who knows? 2150, you think? Yeah, that's not that's not impossible. That's not impossible. Well, especially at the rate that medical science is advancing, yeah. stuff that's killing people now likely aren't gonna isn't gonna affect your grandchildren. No, I think so that's absolutely true. thirty years ago. Yeah. we've gotten rid of tons of stuff. I think it's weird too that you look at how many presidents are there now? Forty-five, right? Yes. And I think yeah, I've been alive through eleven of them. Isn't that amazing? And you're like, how can that be? I know. You think that just doesn't minute. seem like it should work that way well, we I are agree. a young country comparatively right i know but still you figure 200 years worth of of our country yeah. and and politics and and that in my 50 year span i've lived through 11 presidents and 200 almost 250 years not to, about yeah. 240 a little more than 240 years well, we don't look at a day over 198 no we really don't but yeah what you, you think well i was i was trying to I, I suppose truman was president when i was born i would imagine he wasn't in the Klan anymore, though, when, I, when he was president. So that Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, yeah. It's not much of an allegation. <laughs> but what were they called again? Brass-collar Democrats. I've but, never but, heard that term before. I hadn't either. But brass-collar Democrats were all the ones who had owned slaves. Oh, and, the, the Southern boys. Yeah, they, they invented the Klan and all that stuff. So I, I, Whatever. I just love the fact that one thought is so far superior to another. It's like, calm down. It's still human being to human being, so relax. Take it easy. Uh, you're not going to change the world forever. Um, they think they will, though. Do you have that desire to change the world forever? I don't. I couldn't care less. It's like, okay, well, when I'm gone, do whatever you want. You kids run wild. <laughs> That's all I know. No, I... I yeah, politics is a tough deal to deal with, a uh, tough thing to deal with right now, because it is so psychotic. I, I am seeing things that, well, like that woman asked the permission of your newborn baby to change its diaper. I mean, oh, yeah. come on. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but that's, uh, she insists that's a really good idea. There are some other things that popped up this week, too. Two other things. Other than, you really think that's a good idea. That's, yeah, you really think that's a good plan. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, we're trying to take into account everybody's feelings. And, and, you know, here's the weird thing. You say, when are we all going to get together? When are we all going to stop hating one another and, mm -hmm. and have it start making sense? Right. But then you see people like this that are trying to figure out ways to lessen stress, anxiety, and bring people together. And then we kind of mock them. 
for the ideas that they're coming up with. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they're not really doing that. They're not really trying to bring people together. They're trying to get votes. No, but I'm talking about the woman that said, you know, you have to ask permission. They're trying to figure out a way to make the next generation more caring, considerate, and, and it be a reciprocal relationship. But again, you know, it's kind of misguided in, in those senses. Yeah, yeah. I believe maybe it, treating your children like like humans instead of pets that would for be the good. first five, six years of their lives and, and teaching them and explaining them why you do what you do so that it makes a logical sense. I've always talked to Fawn more or less like an adult, yep. and she's kind of obsessed with me. Yeah, she is. She's obsessed with So you. I wonder if they know Nanny. when they're being pandered to. And they're like, you know, well, cut it out. I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah. Po- I mean, at least it's a possibility. I would think they know when they're being pandered to. They wouldn't. Yeah, at least after a one. certain age. You know, six, yeah, a six-month-old infant doesn't know anything. But So what do you do? Take her out on the balcony and smoke heaters? Or- yeah. yeah. Get, a little, get a Winston going. <laughs> get some cigars. <laughs> I, do, I, I find it's interesting, Flipping though. through Tinder. What do you think of this one? Yeah. I, noticed right. it, I noticed it today when I was at the convenience store picking up some soda that... Millennials are the rudest people, the rudest generation I've ever seen. There is no question about it. This kid. That's the entitlement. Yeah, it is the entitlement. Yeah. This kid who worked there, he was wearing the logo on his shirt and the whole deal. He cut in front of me about three or four times and didn't even bother to look at me, much much less say, excuse me. I mean, extremely rude. And there was no room for him to cut in front of me, but he did it anyway. So I just. People have never been as rude as they are now. Well, they grow up thinking they're tough because they spend all their time on Twitter, you know, posturing yeah, and. But I think the entitlement compl- part of it too. It's they're true. completely insulated from any consequence on Twitter. Do you think it has to do with the fact that the generation that's raising them is trying to overcompensate for not being home with them all the time? So they give them Maybe. more freedom. They give them more yeah. responsibility. So that there's this sense of entitlement that. This is owed to me because I'm here. Yeah, and I maybe. don't mean that dismissively, but I wonder if, if we're setting that precedent into motion by the way we... Crazy we know, could be. Because we're overcompensating. You know, I know my mom tried to overcompensate. When she started working, she went to school and became a nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, she would overcompensate and then give me more leeway, which was dumb. I really needed more structure. Yeah. But she was doing her best to try not to be her parents. You know, yeah. she was she was in the hippie culture and trying to fight the system that came before it. And I, I just wonder how much of that, how much of the pandering to our children to try to make them more well-rounded is actually doing more damage to children. Probably. Because, because every psychologist tells you, even the hippy-dippy ones, children crave structure. Mm-hmm. And if you're mm-hmm. not giving them, this is the way life lives, and we're, oh, you're my buddy, Doug, and... You know, I'm your dad, but let's be best friends first. Yeah. You're not doing them any favors. There'll be none of that. Right. You have no, to you right. also have to be able to, to put the foot down and crack the you know, crack the proverbial whip and keep them in line so that they realize there are mm-hmm. ramifications to the actions they take. Andy, you're in the millennial age group. Why do you think it is that millennials don't want to do anything that their parents did? Because generations before, you kind of followed in your parents' footsteps, or yeah. it was the always family business. I think that's a bit bigger. of a myth, quite you honestly. If yeah. you look at well, yeah. when you grow up in the hippie era, and I was at the tail end of it, we certainly weren't doing what the greatest generation wanted us to do. We it's were following. Definitely us. a cultural thing. Like in Japan, you know, if there's a family business, you go into your family business. That's what you do. But you know, over here in America. That's not necessarily the case. No. Except in certain places, like in the South, they're a lot more family-oriented. 
Yeah, we've uh, always been very family oriented. Whereas uh, on the east and west coasts, it's more like you know, okay, I'm going to travel across the country and make it on my own for some reason, kind of thing. Maybe it's it has to do too with the fact that uh, mm. you know my dad used to watch his dad do things, and his dad mm. would take him around to you know I got to go fix the barn or I've got to do that, and th- your dad would go out and help. When I grew up, that's my dad didn't want me to have to feel that way, so he didn't do it. So I grew up, oh, I, yeah. I, I can't build a paper bag. I have no skills because because I never sat down and learned this stuff. Right, and that that kind of I think a lot of people have fallen into that generation where they don't know how to do most of what our parents and our grandparents knew how to do because we learned through hanging out with them. And I don't think that sense of family is the same. Well, I think you're probably right about that. Yeah, I think that's probably unless you're the Maurer family. Right. <laughs> well, I'm not going to let that. Go. Nah, just tease. Yeah, I'm constantly on my kids to. You know, whether it's chores, you know, you know, laundry, Mm -hmm. washing the dishes, um, I'm always, you know, hands on with them. I say, you guys, I know this isn't what you want to do. Your kids, you need to have fun. But these are skills that you need to learn. I mean, I was mowing the lawn by age 11, doing my own laundry. And it wasn't because my parents were tough on me. But my mom, especially my mom, she knew that it was important for me to learn these so I didn't have to depend on other people to do them for no, me. No, that, that is good. And that's that the problem, good. I think, with a lot of kids today. They have no uh, mindset or, I mean, they'll walk past something on the floor and look at it and just keep going. And Well, I think that's oh, a yeah. boy thing because well, we've taught our kids to do their own laundry and cook and all that stuff. It's really good, but... They still, there's invisible things. That... They just, they have no initiative to That's do right. anything. You have to constantly. Well, that makes sense. We shall be right back, ladies and gentlemen, just a couple of minutes from now. Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company? A better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. My pillow is offering more than 50% off his four pack special, which includes two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first my pillow. If you already know how great the my pillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. Cookies. Really funny. It's the only song I like by him. Really? Yep, I do not like Bruce Springsteen. I think Rosalita is one of the greatest rock songs ever. Written. Well, if you ever learned how to sing, it would help. Well, he's not a great he's singer. Not a great singer. Well, I think he is because he's able to actually sustain the same notes he did in 1973. Doesn't make him a good singer. It means he could never hit me. good notes. <laughs> That's the whole problem. I'd much rather you're consistent. 
<laughs> yeah, he's consistent. That's true. Um, the messaging is vague. Some would say the NFL did this purposely similar to the ambiguous language in the player conduct policy, which gives the NFL leeway. So here are some questions for the NFL. What does show respect for the flag even mean? Can NFL players raise a fist but stand at attention during the anthem? What you were talking about. Right. Stand at attention during the anthem. Could they stand but turn around and face the crowd? Do players have to place their hands over their heart? What if they get caught speaking during the anthem? Who's in charge of deciding what is respect and what is not respect? Show respect for the flag is vague. Some can even argue that respecting the flag means respecting the right to protest. Is it that uh, hard to just stand there for 30 seconds and then go make your 15 million? Yeah, well, there is that. Let's uh, keep your logic out of this conversation, yes, Andy. Andy being logical. 30 the seconds. The anthem can go on for oh, hours. Well, yeah, that's stage. true. Bleeding Gums Murphy. <laughs> Don't forget that. What was that? Depends on the singer. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. I said, oh, can you see? <laughs> God. Bleeding Gums Murphy. Dave Burkett, Art Rooney of the Steelers, said while it was not defined, he believes that raising a fist and linking arms during the playing of the National Anthem also would constitute disrespect of the anthem. I would uh, tend to agree with that. I don't know. I just Linking arms, I don't. So that means you're just together as a team. That's fine. Is the locker room choice better or worse? All right, so here's a nice uh, hypothetical situation. Something happens in U.S. society where players want to protest. Instead of protesting by kneeling, they play by the rules and don't come out for the national anthem. The entire team decides not to come out for the anthem. Now fans know that they aren't coming out for the anthem to protest, which in the end is a protest during the national anthem by not showing up. But I believe it still holds that college teams do not come out for the anthem. And it's not because they're protesting it. They just like that <clears throat> charge out onto the field thing after the national anthem. So that's probably what I would have done with the NFL. It's like, we're not going off for the anthem anymore. Right, and if you don't see it, it's not happening. So it might be talked yeah. about for the first few games, yeah. but if they're seeing yep, nobody right. kneeling on the sidelines, right. they're not going to care if they're back there. It's like 100% NFL correct. keeping tight when the audience is not that filled. Right. Right? They're going to keep to the first 10 rows to show yep. you that it's packed without showing you the full expansive deal of how no empty doubt. their stadium is when they're having a crap year. That is no. I mean, that was the problem too. Is that people stopped going to the games? Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not going to the games anymore. If that's what you're going to do, I don't want to see it. Um, I have had to tell people in that football games and baseball games to take their hat off during the anthem. I mean, people stand in front of wearing a baseball cap. It's like, take your hat off. What you are know, you I doing? I think that's because a lot of people don't know that. They yeah. don't. probably right. They have no clue. They're just like, why are people taking their hats off? Or yeah. they're not even noticing that that's part of it. That's not really a thing that my generation really thinks about. They don't how teach would you not school? know that? Because nobody teaches you. Nobody says Nobody it. taught me, but I knew it. There was well, a... Because you paid attention to well, that's true. the people in your community. And, and at your time of youth, everybody did it. Everybody did it. Right? Yeah. So you, whether you understood what was going on, you knew it was a part of a tradition. And now people don't pay that close attention. Most of them are probably looking at their phone during the National probably Anthem true. because they're bored. Probably true. You know, they're, they're seeing what's the new deal at walzer.com. The first season of the yeah. Tampa, Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, it was early on. Somebody scored a hat trick, mm-hmm. and about 50 fans threw their hats on the ice. Security started throwing them out. <laughs> Because oh, they didn't know what they well, were doing. It was Tampa Bay. They're the yeah. Tampa Bay Lightning security Lightning. guys likely weren't big NHL fans. God, they had the best. The Tampa Bay Lightning had the best voiceover guy that I've ever heard. Who was that? Me. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that? 
Yeah, I did the. You've first, done a lot of things. It's hard. I've done about up. three, four, five. The first five years, I think, of the Tampa Bay Lightning, I did all of their all of their promotion. Who are the famous brothers that were the Espositos? Right? Yeah, there you go. It's funny Tony. when I when I first lived in here in the state, I was not a. Uh, Sports fan at all. I loved Cubs. No that's sport. all I knew growing oh, up. Oh, so you knew the Cubs. Okay. That's it. I never watched any other sports. Not and the Bears. I started to work. No, nah, I watched the 85 Super Bowl, and that was it. Like yeah. I said, my dad was not real hands-on. It yeah. just He was the kind of guy that sit down and watch football, and I'd be like, oh, what is that? What did he do that for? What's it? Just shut up and watch the game. So to me, that was, like, not fun. If I don't <laughs> understand what's going on. Yeah. 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 But, but it was it <laughs> impatient. Cookies. No, that's okay. You can say. You can say that. You oh, can yeah. say your dad's a dick, yeah. Yeah. Andy does rules. So when yeah, I yeah, Andy like, says it all the time. But uh, so I, I, you know, he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't kind of go into it with me. So I just didn't care about sports growing up. But of course, one of my first jobs in sales was I worked for Wincraft, the company that does all the pennants and bumper oh, stickers yeah, and everything. Yeah, yep. And I had all of these territories, and Florida was my my territory. And I get the uh, information for the Tampa Bay Lightning, which was just starting. So I had to talk to the people behind mm-hmm. buying it, and I get uh, Tony Esposito on the phone. Oh. And I'm like, uh, yeah, can I speak to Mr. Uh, Espedito? Because oh, no. oh, that's, no, no. that's the way they had written it in. And he oh, goes, uh, Esposito? And I go, yes, Tony Esposito. He goes, yeah. And I go, hey, I'm Dave from Wincraft. We're doing this. And he goes, good. And he, he goes, are you a big hockey fan? I go, no. I said, I, I don't really watch. I grew up in a family that didn't really do much with sports. But I, you know, I love it. I love what we do now. And he goes, oh, were you a Blackhawks fan? And I'm like... Well, you know, and as much as I know the name Stan Makita, and, yeah, and he started well. laughing, and Bobby Hull, and he goes, "Did you ever hear of the Espositos?" And I go, "No, are you related?" Oh, oh God! And he, and he laughs, and he goes, "We're going to get along just fine. I don't like ass kissers." And yeah, then, well, there you go. We went on, and he bought a bunch of stuff for me. So one of the greatest T-shirts yeah. of all time was for <laughs> Phil Esposito. Uh, people were wearing T-shirts back when he was a big star that said, Jesus saves and Espo scores on the rebound. Right. <laughs> because he was the, he had, and I'm not a big hockey fan, but I, I was a Bruins fan and I was in Boston at the time. He had the fastest hands in the world. Yes. He'd just hang out in front of the net and just... Yep. Yeah, he was, was unbelievable. Deal. He was unbelievable. I humiliated Joe Namath, too. Just to, you did? Yeah. We, we had Medina Golf Course at the end of my block. And that's where all the, the celebrities You live by Medina Golf Course in Illinois? Yeah. That's right. So nice my buddies course. talked me into being a... A, yeah. a caddy? A caddy for a summer. And I, I made it about two weeks. I was so bored and hated it. So I go in, and the one day they go, oh, bring footballs tomorrow. There's a big celebrity coming in, and he'll sign. So I, I show up with a football. Again, not a football fan, not a sports right. fan. Don't know anybody. This guy comes up, and he's, he's talking to everybody, shaking hands, signing footballs. And... He goes off with his group to, to start, and he's you know maybe 10, 15 feet away from us, and one of the other caddies comes running up. He goes, did I miss it? And they're like, yeah, he's not signing anymore. And he's like, no, I wanted this so bad. I go, here, take my ball. It's just the guy from the uh, Brady Bunch episode. I threw him the ball. <laughs> wow, he was on the Brady right? Bunch. All I knew him, I thought he was an actor who played a football. And yeah. his whole group stopped, and the two guys in the back turn around, and they go, the guy from the Brady Bunch. And Namath just turns and stares oh, at me like you want me to die. Oh. And they're laughing the whole time as they walk off. I had no clue. I, I come back and tell That's my awesome. dad. He goes, what would you need a football for? That's not my football. And I go, yeah, some guy was signing. It was just that guy from the Brady Bunch. And my dad, of course, thinking it's like one of the Brady kids right, or something. Right. It wasn't until years later and he's like, you met Broadway Joe and didn't get his autograph for your father. Yeah, tough up. Now you know why. That's now straight you know why out of Sandlot, right? Right, exactly. No clue. Some is your father girl still named alive? Baby Ruth. Is your father still alive? Yeah. Do you think he'd want his autograph? Joe Namath? He, li- he lives very close to where we do. 
Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, that, I didn't either. He, he might. He if might, he wants might. it, I could, I could definitely get Well, Philip Wise is a great friend of his. Right. Hey, yeah, I'd love for that to go back and see what it is. Oh, God. Remember when that kid told you? Oh, that was funny. It was so great. when there, There's that scene when the white punter and Philip can't catch him. The white punter's running into the end zone because it was a block punt, and he's running in the end zone, and Philip can't catch him. Ah! The greatest of all time. That's all I know. You're always going to run your fastest when a black guy's after you. Oh! Wow. Listen to that now. Edit point? What are you? Are you a cutter? Are you a. If Philip was here, he would have thought that was funny. Are you a judge uh-huh. in Miami? No. <laughs> I still can't. And I'm not Italian. Guy. And you're not Italian. It's a whole different deal. Where did uh, L.A. Nick have to go? He had to go meet the who? He, I think it's Grief counseling over the turtle. Grief counseling over the turtle. I'm telling him that turtle was already dead. Yeah, if it didn't bleed, it was already it dead. It did not bleed, and it was black. So I'm sorry. The skin was black. Sorry, that turtle was already dead. So don't. It's hard to picture him living in the country. Uh, isn't it? He loves it. Well, it is a great place. Yeah. Have you ever been out there? No. It's a really, really I feel nice like place. I've been out there because of all the videos he posts. Pretty oh, much yeah? every day. I was kind of hoping that eventually either Andy or Alex would end up living out there, but no. They still might. If I could afford it, then I probably would, but they still might. It's, uh, He's going to have to sell at some point. That's true. Mm-hmm. Andy will break big. Why don't you invent a video game so I can just retire? Okay. Brilliant idea. Okay. <laughs> we'll just, do okay. that. I'll get it done. Send him to video, camp, uh, video game camp this summer, Dad. Well, how about that 82-year-old woman in Japan? She just invented some app, a game where you take dolls and dress them up and they have to be moved to the right. She invented a game, and she's 82 years old. Her name is like Mia Miyakawa. I can't remember what her name is. Uh, Miyakopa? Masako Wakamiya. Wakamiya, there. There you go. What did she invent? Uh, Hinadon is the name of the app. Hinadon. What does that mean? Done. Let's see here. I'm just trying to find a decent article on it. Well, good luck. Hinadon is like a it's it's a uh, doll festival thing. Oh, Hinadon's a doll festival. Yeah. You know, it's weird. You you just come up with the right connection. You have somebody that can help you make an app, and mm-hmm. a year later you can sell it for five hundred million dollars. I know. It's, it's, it's insane. insane to me. It's really weird. How much? And what's really weird to me, and Andy, maybe you can explain this to me. I created a free app and I just sold it for five point eight million dollars. How is a free app? Well, because of all the advertising on there—it's it's basically popular. all advertising. It's just all you're doing or is selling a newspaper. Selling data—that's oh, really? also popular. Oh yeah, you sell their phone numbers. You know, you sell their email addresses. Well, I watched. You know, when VR was starting to hit, I got the yeah. VR, and you put your phone in there and you could watch this stuff. I yep. went to. The, it was like Jurassic Park or whatever, and you're walking around. You can see the dinosaurs, and then you go into a hut, and they'll show a scene from the new Jurassic Park movie. Mm. Or you go into here, and there's a Coca-Cola sign, and I was like, oh, I wonder if this is all paid placement. Yeah, you. I yeah. wonder. <laughs> So maybe that's where all this cash is coming from, but that's crazy. It is unbelievable. All yeah. that stuff being so valuable, it, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I tell you, Sprinthal, it's your fault, though. I know. Because you're the first one to mention Silicon Valley to me, and I'm just obsessed with it. Well, yeah, we, we've burned through all of them in our house. We have so. not yet. We have a couple of episodes to go in season four, and then we'll kick into season five. But 
Uh, I don't know. It's going to be weird not seeing T.J. Miller. In, yeah. in that, it, uh, it's still worth watching. The, the last season is I heard good. it's not as good. Though. It's not as good, but, I mean, it, it's still But what pretty, series pretty is that show. deep in? Usually that's they all start true. to yeah, that's true. take a little bit of a I bath. started watching the new uh, season of uh, Arrested Development a couple nights ago. I heard that's oh. good. That already now, came out? Here's the deal yeah. about that. The first two uh, seasons are absolutely right. brilliant, and the third one was terrible because there was about an 18-month gap in there and they didn't have the cast together because they'd all become famous, so they green-screened oh, the whole yeah, season. They're yeah. not actually interacting with each yeah, other. Yeah, that's never a good idea. It was almost unwatchable, oh, was that the but, Netflix but now season? they're back together. Yeah. Well, they also, the, the problem with that was that they were telling the same story from, like, five different perspectives, yeah. and that, that, I thought, was too heady for me. But uh, the, the, the new one has the feel of the old. It just or oh, does. I'm not normally a big David Cross guy, but in this episode, I'm not in this at all. He's hilarious. Episode, he, He's in this such a series, jerk. he is... Oh. But he's so good at <laughs> he, that character. He in, gets all the good lines. Right. He steals every scene that he's in. Um, because uh, we have one more day um, that they might be appearing. I'll, uh, tomorrow will be the day I'll, I'll give my impression of certain people that were on the show yesterday. But I did a favor for Adam Hunter and Rick Bronson. And I will, uh, after tonight, I'll <laughs> tell you my impression. Some of these Hollywood guys, oh, my God. Oh. Seriously, it's and they're impossible to deal with. They really think that they are the center of the universe. Just introduce them to me, and I'll take them down a few pegs. And oh, you are. And who are you again? <laughs> yeah, I would. You should have like that too. Interview. <laughs> would have been great. The, you the get first... a out of the off the bench every once in a while. Yeah, that's true. I um. You can't now because right, a lot of the celebrities, if you do that, uh, they they refuse to do any radio interviews and such going forward because yeah. they don't like being made a fool of. Yeah. Works for me. Yeah, yeah there's exactly. a lot of self-importance around that crowd. Yeah, there is. Yeah, the only yeah, a couple of them played along pretty well. Fred Keanu Savage. Reeves did. Fred Savage did. Yeah, Keanu Reeves was great. Yeah. He thought it was hilarious. Um, Bob Weir was took it. Bob Weir well. took it very well. It's true. Woody Harrelson, I think, thought he, he was talking to someone with brain damage or I something. I think he actually went along because he did a second one. Oh yeah, he actually uh, did a second one, so he he got it. I don't know. I, Woody Harrelson's a hell of a talent, man. That is. guy is very very talented, but as a human being, I think he's hit the pipe a little mm. too hard. A little <laughs> so, intense. Nothing against him or anything like that, but I think. Remember when he and his wife got into business selling oxygen? Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, he looks a little happy. Most he of the time, looks happy. It? It's very, very true. It's all the oxygen. We have a special guest coming up in just a couple of minutes, ladies and gentlemen. Back for Tom Bernard Show. This is Tom for Flo. For the past 35 years, Flo's passion to invent a better way has created some of the finest recreational products available. Flo's Cargo Max trailer line is a perfect example of their innovation. This trailer is redefining the utility trailer industry. They start with a strong aluminum frame and then add a thermoform polymer bed. It gives you a nearly indestructible one-piece trailer body. And since it's molded, it adds style that the trailer industry has never seen. They even beat it with a large sledgehammer at 20 below zero to prove how tough it is. Best of all, you'll never worry about dents, rust, rot, or paint. Visit their website at floeintl.com to find your local dealer and to see videos of this unique trailer, including a video showing hockey star Ryan Suter shooting pucks at it, trying to break it. You'll quickly see how Flow has earned the reputation for quality products and offering you more for your money. Flow, a better way. Da, 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 
I'm playing the music. Okay. Oh, really? They're coming to... Oh, I thought you were playing They're Coming to Take Me Away. Ha, ha, No. You're playing a little Bob Dylan. Rainy Day Women number... What is it? 12 and 35. 35. 12 and 35. I... Now, there's a guy who cannot sing that I love. Bob Dylan? Yeah. yeah. I awesome. love him, but he can't sing. Sorry. There are a lot of guys who can't sing, to tell you the truth. And Mick kinda, Jagger can't sing. No. He can't sing. No, he can't. You like unique it. voices like that. Do you? Did you see when Jimmy uh, Fallon did Bob Dylan after the Super Bowl? I heard it was really good. Unbelievable. That's what I and heard. He it does, was really and, good. And it wasn't just a, a spoof song. Right. I mean, it literally fit our culture at this time. It was really well done. The times they are changing. Yeah. Unbelievable. That guy is talented. Oh, with he's the really vocalization. Talented. It's oh, unbelievable to me that you can do. So many voices talking and getting mannerisms is one thing, but to be able mm-hmm. to carry on an entire song in that yeah, that's re- true. Range is crazy. That is true. His uh, version the, of "Reading Rainbow" as Jim Morrison is one of the best things I've ever heard. Really? Oh, <laughs> Jim Morrison. Have you ever heard it? Uh uh-uh. uh No. We'll, we'll come back after a break with it. It's amazing. I'm telling you, no I'm more breaks. All of those, uh, all of those. Uh, Talk show hosts now. I can't watch any of them. Yeah. I whether it's Conan or Fallon or Kimmel or I can't watch any of them. They're just. Ugh. Mark is with us. Far too. Yeah. Far too much. I'm here. Mark, we're just talking about people pandering in in business. Actually, Mark Lewis, uh, our very special guest, talking about his book "Give a Damn." Individually, you make a difference. Collectively, we change the world. Mark uh, has three words for a new grad seeking advice on how to uh, find success. Give a damn. Um, <laughs> That's correct. You know, I um, wrote the book uh, and then was asked about how students can uh, take that phrase and adopt that phrase to help them in both their personal and professional life. And, and what do you mean by give a damn? I mean, about everything or about certain things? You, are we talking focus or are we kind of embracing everything? What are we doing? Well, the typical reason for give a damn is to really be more concerned about what you can do for others versus what you can do for yourself. I think a lot of people get it wrong and they flip side, they flip it, and their their thinking is, if I do this, I'm going to get something in return. Mm. And I think society has kind of gone down that road, so they're more concerned about what they can get out of a situation than than versus what they can put into it. And Obviously, uh, the more you put into a situation without expecting it in return, the more you help people, it's just going to be karma that's going to come back to you. And I think we've kind of gotten away from that um, over the years. Um, You know, I know Lou Holtz, everybody knows him, the famous uh, football Mm -hmm. uh, coach, said years ago we had duties and responsibilities. Now people think they have rights and privileges. And I think we've gotten away from society looking to do what we can to help others and and that's what's more important. Yeah, I, I like that, the, the fact that, uh, yeah, uh, we were just talking about millennials are, are not the most polite generation. Uh, I had a kid, a millennial. And, again, I have nothing against millennials. It's just uh, we've developed into a society where we are as rude as we've ever been in my lifetime, I will tell you that. I mean, the Americans are very rude now, and I don't know what that's all about. Well, I I agree with you 100%, and I just don't think we've been taught. Uh, You know, 50 years ago, we had these moral upbringings. We had uh, parents who were at their home, 
And I think part of the reason is that um, there's there's a lot of factors. I, I think technology has played a huge no, role no doubt. In, in the people being rude because it's now, you know, shoot them, kill them. And what we see on TV, um, we see these shows like uh, Here Come the Kardashians or Naked and Afraid, where years ago we were watching Captain Kangaroo and Fathers Knows Best, and they were teaching, they were being taught what it means to be moral and respected and responsible. And we're not getting that like we used to 50 years ago. Yeah, I, had, I actually had a woman yell at me because I held the door for her. Yeah, some people do that. And but I said, I don't need your help, et cetera, et cetera. But I tell people, I will hold the door for men and women. Yeah. It's not a sex thing. Me too. I will hold the door well, for a man I or think, a woman. You know, it gets back to people trying to be more, they think they're independent. They don't yeah. want the help. They can do it on their own. But that's not the way it should be. You know, like, they should look at it as, hey, he's doing something for me. I should be grateful for that. And they don't look at it that way. They look at it, well, I'm independent. I can do this for myself. But that's not the point. I think no. they just don't think so, think that way. It's a self-centered attitude. I think you're absolutely right. Our own actions. This, by the way, uh, Mark Lewis, we talked to give a damn. Individually, you make a difference. Collectively, we change the world. Our own actions individually and collectively determine the world in which we live. The mindset of today's society is deteriorated because we don't give a damn about each other, except for those we really care about. Everything seems to be uh, internally driven, and we justify our actions and behaviors. Um, Mark, I, I, I talk about this all the time. On I, I do a couple of different shows, and I talk all the time about the fact that I was inspired by Martin Luther King, and you never hear this quote any longer. Um, he, it really struck me as I think I was a 16-year-old kid, might have been 15, when he talked about the content of one's character. And I took that to heart, and that's what I did. I judge people by the content, at least what I saw as their character. Now, I've been hoodwinked by people putting on a false front, don't get me wrong. But right. I think it is true, the content of one's character is the most important thing. None of this other stuff matters at all. You're absolutely right. And the, the whole thing about the theme, give a damn, is you're, if you can rally around a thing of, of give a damn, and you're, you're, it comes out of your character. And it, I think it gets down to three things, responsibility, mm. accountability, and respect for others. It doesn't matter if you're a janitor or you're a CEO. I think, uh, you know, as a CEO, you can take out the garbage just like anybody else. Just having responsibility and respect, no matter who they are, for what they do, having that respect goes a long way into establishing very sound relationships. I would think so. I think that's, that's very, very true. People, well, you know, we were talking about this earlier as well, being uh, a public figure of, uh, of any kind. People kind of judge you before they get to know you, and I think, Dave, you're the one that brought it up, that... Uh, people judge you and then they meet you and it's a whole different deal. I think, I hope that's well, still... right. There's a disconnect going on in the world right now. And yeah, it's so much is, easier yeah. to make a judgment call before you actually get a chance to meet or interact with somebody. Yep. And then all of a sudden that preconceived notion goes away. And I think what our guest was just talking about too, with the fact that there needs to be accountability and mm -hmm. people don't hold themselves accountable anymore. They can say what they want, do what they want, because most times you never have to face the person that you're, yeah, you're that's right. treating poorly. That's very, very true. That, I, that's that's really true. And you know, and, and a lot of times uh, people ask me, well, what political party you're associated with? I said, I'm not going to tell you what political party I'm associated because as soon as I say a word, you're going to label me and you're yeah, going to put me yep. in a box in that's a corner. True. And I might think like everybody else, but just because I'm X, and I don't tell anybody I'm X, I don't want to put that label on me. 
And as soon Smart. as you say something, then you're labeled, and therefore that's how you think, and I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair either because there are degrees of all parties, and let's just take the two major ones in the United States of America. There are varying degrees of Democrats, and there are varying degrees of Republicans. It's not just, oh, you're this or you're that. And it's just right. not like that. It's it's never been that way, actually. As I said, my 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 mother was an ardent Democrat. She loved being a Democrat. And she became friends with former Governor Tim Pawlenty because I knew Tim long before he was governor of Minnesota. Tim's a Republican, right? So they would sit around, and, and the governor of the state of Minnesota is cutting my mom's birthday cake on her, I think, 85th birthday it was. So the governor of the state of Minnesota is cutting a birthday cake, and they're good friends, and they're laughing back and forth. And she stands up and says, you know, Tim, I love you, but I'd never vote for you. <laughs> because he was a Republican. It's exactly what you're talking about, Mark. Yep. Good God. It's, it's kind of sad how that happens. And, and just, you know, people need to look a little deeper because we're not always going to agree. Uh, we can agree to disagree, but I think the bottom line is what can we do for others? What can we do that's best for us? And now we can't please everybody, no. but at least we can be accountable and do the best we can because at the end of the day, it's, it's what's going to be best for society. Mark, how, is there a, a pattern? Is there a good way to teach your children how to give a damn? Well, yeah, I think what you need to know is, you know, when you come into a situation, I, I, I tell my kids, um, most people know what's right and wrong. The reason why they choose the wrong thing is because they can justify it in their mind as mm -hmm. being right, and therefore they're going to do it. And I think that's the key, that people need to look back and say, what's right here, what's wrong? But at the same time, I tell my kids, okay, or anybody out there, what would you do if you, if you knew your mom was watching you? Or what would you do if God, if people don't believe in God, if there was a higher being watching watching you, would you do the same thing? And a lot of times, a lot of times, people when they look at that, they get the aha moment. And say, yeah, this is not right. I will tell you a perfect example. I was in a grocery store the other day. I had uh, picked up some groceries. And I had a card that uh, was on a piece of paper in the basket, and I forgot to take it out. I went out mm. of the grocery store. I gave my card to somebody and said, look, there's a card. You forgot to take this, and I hadn't paid for it. I went back to my car, and I put my groceries in. I could have very well walked away mm -hmm. and not done anything about it. I went back to the grocery store and said, look, I walked out with this. I didn't realize I hadn't paid for it. And she goes, thank you very much. Those are the right things that people need to do. No, and if you right. do that more and more again, you're going to do the right thing. It's really funny, Mark, you mentioned that because a thing happened to me a few years ago in a, in a supermarket. I was walking out to my car, and I realized the cashier had given me $2 too much in change. And I went back to give it back to her, and she got mad at me. She said, are you accusing me of making a mistake? I said, no, no, I'm just telling you, I got too much change here. I don't know if the bills stuck together. What happened? She goes, no, they did not. I gave you the correct change. Yeah, some people, I don't and know. Thank God. So I laid the $2 down on the, on the moving belt, and I left because she just was not going to take it back, and she would not admit she had made a mistake. It, it's just and, not that big a deal. And that's the fallacy of today's society. Right. It's okay to make a mistake. Yep. It's okay to admit it. But when people don't admit it mistakes, they feel vulnerable, I think, that they had done something wrong, and therefore they won't admit the mistake. I think that's a, a huge 
example here. It's okay to admit when you're wrong. When you're wrong, say, I made the mistake and take care of it and do what you need to do to make it right. Right. More people will show respect. If, if I see somebody that owns up to a mistake, I have so much more respect than somebody who just keeps trying to bluff their way through yeah, it. And you know I they're agree. an idiot and they're lying about what they've done. <laughs> you know they're an <laughs> and idiot. And you're just like, well, just all you need to do is just say, yep, I screwed up. I'm sorry. Yep. How yep. can we fix this? Right. Let's work and together. that rarely happens, especially yeah. in the political environment. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. No, there's especially no doubt. Especially in that environment. Yeah, we never make mistakes as politicians, do we? Oh, that never happens. <laughs> but it's what you were talking about earlier. You don't want to tell people the party you belong to because you'll be criticized uh, for it. No matter, you yeah. just can't win. That's the whole thing. You problem. can't win. You can't yeah. win. And because society has thought that pop, that way, they just they put you in a box and you can't get out of it no matter how hard you try. Isn't that terrible? Yeah, I, it is terrible. See, I, I, I like being polite. I like uh, giving a damn. I like exactly what you're talking about, Mark. And, and uh, the book is available everywhere, I'm assuming. Yeah, you can buy it on Amazon. You can go to my website at giveadamnbook.com. If you send me an email, do me a favor. I'll, I'll go ahead and send you a signed copy of my book because you get it. We need more people. I'm trying to create this movement where everybody enjoins and puts this phrase in front of them and says, okay, this is what I'm going to do for other people because that's the way, it's, that's the way life is. People are happier that way, too, mm-hmm. and they don't have this negative attitude. It just makes it overall, I think, a better environment and a better world, and that's what I'm trying to do. Well, I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, great interview, Mark. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day, sir. Mark Lewis. You too. Give a damn. Individually, you make a difference. Collectively, we change the world. And when you look back, it's kind of interesting because we are now the smartest generation, the most well-educated generation. We've, you know, not my generation, but the next one following. But things have gotten worse instead of better. I mean, can you imagine how bad the world was when a bunch of hillbilly hicks were wandering around the new frontier? Well, back oh. then, people were too busy worrying about, you know, feeding themselves and their family to well, probably true. go around, you know, doing bad Stirring stuff. Stirring the pot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you just lived every day to just live a good day and mm-hmm. do good things, this world would be amazing. And it's not that hard. Doing the right thing is not hard. Yeah. I would agree with that 100%. Doing the right thing is not hard at all. Remember what, when the What Would Jesus Do movement hit and everybody was wearing those T-shirts and yeah. bracelets? It's interesting that even people that weren't religious in nature were into that idea. And I wonder what, what was the stop. I wonder what the stop point was. That's... Yeah, you're right, because you don't see that anymore. No. You don't ever see that anymore. <clears throat> I, I don't know. We'll... Maybe there wasn't enough immediate reward for it. Well, and there you go. It has to be an immediate reward or it doesn't count. Yeah, that's kid, yeah kids these days, they have to have that. Yep. No, I true. think I'm old something. Yeah. My kids do it to me all the time. Oh, I understand that completely. <laughs> uh, thank you again to Mark Lewis. Thank you to Barla Ventura. Thank you to everybody in the studio. And, Doug, I hope you feel better, man. You look like you're pretty miserable. All right. I'll survive. Walls are Wednesdays. <laughs> Drinking beer at the farmer's market and playing the Stratocaster. And what a Life's horrible good. life you've got. I know. Somebody's got to live it, though. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Tom Bernard.